0: Adi Krishna, welcome everybody to Shishi Radha Kalachanji Dam, Dallas, Texas. We know that we have people listening in online, people listening in by radio, by telephone, by internet, and we're very glad that everybody has taken the opportunity to come and spend part of their Saturday morning, which normally... People who are in the working world take as their weekly holiday. They tend to sleep in and get a little more rest. Well-deserved rest, too, I might add. I'm Rupanogadas, disciple of Tamal Krishna Goswami Maharaj, who is a disciple of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada Kijai. This morning our discussion is going to take place on the seventh verse of the fourth chapter of the first canto 147 of the Shrimad Bhagavatam This is a this is rather important this is rather important canto of the Shrimad Bhagavatam Srila Prabhupada has given us many, many very much-in-depth purports. Because at the time that he was writing, at the time that he was writing and tra- translating and giving the purports to the Bhagavatam, he was already in, his, in the latter part of his life, and he did not know for certain how long he would be staying on the planet. So it was important to him that we understand that uh, that he give us as much of the Srimad Bhagavatam as he could. And he, he was able to, to, our good fortune, he was able to go all the way through part of the 10th canto, I believe. And then he relied on his disciples to complete it when he uh, made his... Departure from the planet. So today we're very fortunate uh, to also have, as a, a major uh, occasion, the speaking of the Srimad Bhagavad Gita by the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Lord Sri Krishna. Um, just as a battle was about to take place between two warring factions, the Yadus and and the uh, and the Kauravas. a battle that was to end the stay on the planet for something like 640 million souls is that correct i think it's correct so anyhow i'm very very happy to be here with you today Uh, this is my seventy-fifth end of my seventy-fifth year on the planet It's 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 odd, it's peculiar, you know, to uh to think of the body as, as getting so old. It's really it's it's almost like uh well, probably because part of our teachings are that we're not the body. And so when we look at it rather objectively, we think this is this is a very unusual thing. Because I, I, I still I'm still twenty three years old and here I am in this seventy five-year-old body who would have thought what went wrong <laughs> anyhow we'll have an invocation to the spring lord before we begin <laughs>
1: Jai Radhamarava hum ja bihare Jai Radhamarava hum Yāsura-nandana brajajāna-ranjana Yāsura-nandana brajajāna-ranjana Yāsura-nandana brajajāna-ranjana yashoda nandan la rajajan randanan jamuna dhira vand chare jamuna dhira
0: Jai Om Vishnu Charja Hasto Tarasita Shri Shri Mahārās, Divine Loving Grace Vaya Chararvinda Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki yeah. Jai Om Vishnu Pada Paramahamsa Paribhidhaka Charja Hasto Tarasita Shri Shri Maharaj Divine Grace Srila Bhaktivedanta Saraswati Goswami Maharaj Srila Prabhupada Ki yeah. Ananta Kokti Vaishnavinda Iskan BBT founder of charge, Shil Prabhupada ki. Iskan Guru Parampara ki. Shiru, Shi Sanatan, Bhattaraganath, Shi Jeeva Gopal, Bhattadasa Raganath, Satko Prabhu ki. Namachar, Shil Haridas Kur ki. Premseko, SHRI Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda, Shi Advaita Karadhar, Shi Vasa Rigora Shishi Radha Krishna Gopa Gopinath Shamakun Rarakun Giti Govardhana ki. Shri Manama Dhamma ki. Shri Matura Dhamma ki. Shri Mayapunabhati Dhamma ki. Shri Jagannath Purit Dhamma ki. Shishi Radha Kalajanji ki. Ganga Devi ki. Yamunumae ki. Tulsi Devi ki. Bhakti Devi ki. Samaveta Bhakti Vrindhi ki. Vriyatma Danga, Transcendental Book Prasadam Distribution ki. God Premananda, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories, all glories, all glories to Sri Guru and Shri Gauranga. Namo Vishnapataya Krishna Vastaya Bhutale, Shambhati Bhakti Vedanta Swaminiti Namade. Namaste Saraswati Devi, Gaurabhati Pachanine, you got your phones turned on vibrate. So you don't have to pay the $25 fine in case your phone goes off in the middle of class. I heard that a judge did that one time right before she was, you know, which was presiding over the court. And within just seconds, her phone went off. <laughs> and so she said, my $25 I will give to charity. And she did. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate
1: Vasudevaya
0: Om Namo Bhagavate Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chayamunarotamam Devin Sarasatim Yasan, Tito Jayam Uderu Yat, Nasta Parishu Vabhadreshu, Nityam Bhagavata Seva Bhagavati Yuttama Shloke, Bhakti bhavani Istiki, Gantara Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. You know, as we get older and have more experience in Krishna Consciousness, those shlokas mean more and more to us uh, regarding the, the, the uh, position of the Srimad Bhagavatam, considered by many devotees to be the most important literature on the planet, or in the universe, or in the, in the material world. We're reading again, once again, Uh, Those of you who are at home or somewhere else that you have a copy of the Srimad Bhagavatam or have your telephone turned on to the internet so that you can read along with us, this is uh, First Canto, Chapter 4, and we'll be reading text number 7 today. Everybody there? Word for word. Kattam. Va Pandaveyasyah Rajasayer munina Saha Samvadah Samabhut Tata Yatraishya Satvati Shuti. Now is portrait. Katamba Pandavesyasya Rajasir Muninasaha Rajasir Muninasa Sambada Samputtata Sambada Yatrasya Katamba Pandaviasya Rajasir Muninasaha Sambhadaha Sambhaputtata Yatraishya Satvati Shruti Katamba Pandavyasya Rajasir Muninasaha sambhara sam buddha tha Thank you all very much. Nice gentling. Word-for-word translation. Katam, how is it? Va, also, Pandavayasya, of the descendant of Pandu, namely Parikshit. Rajase, of the king who was a sage. Munina, with the Muni. Saha, with Sangvata discussion samabhut, took place. Tata. Oh darling Yatra whereupon isha like this Satvati Transcendental Shuti Essence of the Vedas. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace. A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Maharaj, How did it so happen that King Parichit met this great sage, making it possible for this great transcendental essence of the Vedas, known as the Bhagavatam, to be sung to him? Read, uh, uh, Repeat with me, please. How did it so happen that King Parichit met This great sage, making it possible for this great transcendental essence of the Vedas, Bhagavatam, to be sung to him, purported by his divine grace. Srimad Bhagavatam stated here as the essence, I'm sorry, is stated here as the essence of the Vedas. It is not an imaginary story and it is sometimes considered un, by unauthorized men it is sometimes considered by unauthorized men sometimes considered interesting use of that word isn't it it is also called shuka sangita or the vedic hymn spoken by Sri shukadev goswami the great liberated sage what's another another name for shukadev goswami You know the term you know the name Vyasaki? Did you know that's a name for Shikude? Vayaski. We also have an older devotee, Shila, of, of Srila Prabhupada, disciple of Srila Prabhupada by that name Vyasiki. Many years ago back in the eighties, he was coming out with new tunes which everybody was was singing uh, to the uh, for you know for different shlokas, which is very nice. Especially for the Maha, uh, for the uh, Maha Mantra. Uh, that was the end. That was the end of the report. Any questions? All right, we'll speak a little bit. One, uh, The topic that I want to consider here is uh, the fact that Shukadeva Goswami is an authorized representative speaking the Srimad Bhagavatam. And as, as you might remember, Shukadev Goswami has a a part in Krishna Lila. Besides this one that he's participating in now, what 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 is his what is what? First of all, what kind of body does he have in Krishna Lila? Parrot. Whose parrot? Shri Mati Radharani's parrot. And it is said that uh, Radharani's name is never spoken in the Bhagavatam. Because what? Shukadeva Swami would not be able to maintain his composure and continue speaking if he spoke the name of Radharani. That's interesting, isn't it? So our topic for today, and we always have to choose a topic based on the text, and based on the purport. And so um, I want to talk about uh, knowing how to treat a saintly person. And Shukadev Goswami has appeared on the scene uh, to speak to King Parichit, emperor of the world, uh, one of the grandson of Arjuna. Grandson, that's correct, isn't it? Yeah. Who was the son, who was the father of prediction? Abhimanyu? And what happened to Abhimanyu during the Battle of Kurukshetra? He was killed, unfairly, by several of the great warriors on the side of the Kauravazim. So, he's, he's a very pedigreed person, Pariksit Maharaj. And similarly, the speaker is pedigreed, uh, Shukadev Goswami. It is said, it is said by one account, that uh, Shukadev Goswami happened to be in the presence of Lord Shiva, as Lord Shiva was speaking the Bhagavatam to Parvati, his consort. Have you heard that one? And uh, uh, Mother Parvati, or uh, Pusana, Durga, Mother Durga, uh, apparently was not quite as interested in the Bhagavatam as her husband was, so she kind of nodded off to sleep. And Lord Shiva noticed it, but then he also noticed that sitting close by was a bird, a parrot, who was paying very close attention to everything that he was saying. And he became angry because he knew that parrots sometimes just repeat sounds without knowing what they mean. And so he was thinking that this might cause some degradation to the Bhagavatam if this bird were to start repeating the Bhagavatam himself. And so he decided to kill the bird, to terminate him. Have you heard that? You heard this story? Yeah. And so he began to chase him, and as he chased him, the bird was looking for a refuge. Sukha, Shuka, the bird was looking for a refuge. So he flew into the hermitage of Shulavyasde and went into the mouth of Shilavaste's wife. Did you know have you heard that part? And you know, having a s having a, a spiritual body, as he did, um he, he enter, enter, entered into the womb of Vyassadev's wife. And he stayed there for 16 years. And so it was only by the coaxing of, of Lord, I mean of uh, Shilvassadev, that he was, he was willing to come out and take birth in, in the material world, not as a parent, but as a young boy. And of course, after he came out, he immediately grew up to be a strapping young teenager and uh and left home immediately, and his father chased after him we've just re- we've just been reading about this in in re- previous classes i think uh um uh, told about this uh, about uh, uh, uh yeah Shilivyasi was chasing after his son, calling after him, and his son was just walking away. Had no attachment at all. Of course, he was he was completely unclothed. He was completely naked. And as it turns out, there was a there was a, he passed by a body of water in which there were some young damsels uh, taking their baths, and they were completely naked themselves. And so, he, uh, being in the spiritual position that he was, and recognizing that Shukadev was in a spiritual position. Uh, the young girls didn't bother covering their bodies because they knew that he made no distinction between male and female bodies. But when his father came along, Shilaviyashdev, then he saw uh, he saw that the young girls had covered their bodies when he came. And so he asked the question, why have you done that? Whenever my son just passed by here and you, you didn't bother covering him? And so they explained to him the reason that they had, uh, had covered their bodies because he was a householder. And a householder has to make distinctions between male and female. Body. Remember uh, and he made this is completely this is apart from what I was planning to speak on. But anyhow, Maharaj made a very I thought a very interesting comment about this this occasion and uh, and that was that uh, we we should meditate w- when we meditate on this this action that uh, that occurred. You know, Sukadeva Goswami coming completely naked by a, grunt, by a group of young, women, young girls. And he was already a fully matured young boy. So, you know, all of his bodily features were very beautiful. And, uh, and, and so, Prahlad so made the comment that when we, when we meditate on this, we should not meditate just on the activity, but rather we should meditate on the intent of the persons, like the young women. The, not, we shouldn't, shouldn't, you know, especially as men, we should not meditate on their beautiful bodies and the fact that they were naked, but we should meditate on the intent that they had, the, their discretion they saw by noticing the demeanor of this boy who was passing by, that he was not, he was not even noticing their physical forms. I, I thought that, I, I've never heard anybody say that before in a class. And I thought that was very, very to the point, very succinct point to make. Okay, so Dave is, is a saintly person. So we need to know how to treat a saintly person. This is going to be a class talking about how to deal with saintly persons, partly. So uh, first of all, we need to be able to recognize who is a saintly person. Because there are many persons who were, especially during the time that Sheila Prabhupada came to the United States there are many persons who were dressed in the garb of, of uh, renunciates. Uh, and Prabhupada tells about that, that people would, uh, you know, they'd get up in the morning and smoke a bidi, and then they'd go out and in their saffron cloth, and they would uh, collect money as renunciates. And so Prabhupada warned his, his early disciples about this kind of person. You're going to encounter this kind of person when you get to India, and a, and a lot of other different kinds of persons as well. And he pointed those out for the training up of his young disciples so that they would understand how they were supposed to act. So we need to know how what the qualities are of a saintly person. And it's not just a saffron cloth. Saffron cloth doth not make a saintly person, as we might say. So, a saintly person asks nothing for oneself, and he accepts only gifts for service. That's one of the qualities. If somebody comes to you uh, approaching you as a saintly person, and he uh, asks for funding, asks for money, unless he's doing so for a specific cause, and you can understand that that cause is legitimate, then you should simply refuse. And when you go to Radhikun, sometimes... Have you been to Radhikun before, not yet. Jorge, go. <laughs> you should go. Uh in at Radicum, there there will usually be in the case in, in when I went there was a, there was there were two young, two men there at Radakun uh, dressed I think they were both maybe dressed in saffron cloth. Maybe the older man was and maybe the younger man was dressed in white, I can't remember for sure. Anyhow, yeah, the older man was very intent on getting a donation from me, and oh, I know your spiritual master. I know Tamal Krishna Goswami, you know, this sort of thing, and so we have to be careful because not everybody who wears saffron cloth is is deserving deserving of the kind of respect that they that they are asking. So sometimes we have to be careful about giving us. Yes. I mean, it's. Uh, you could say, well, maybe that's marginally better than uh, giving to a street a street person who is out on the corner begging for money. But is it? We don't know what that person's going to be using money for. That person dressed in saffron, who is supposedly representing Srimati Radharani at Radakund, we don't know. Don't know what the, what that person has in mind any more than we know that this person who is out on the street is is really not an exalted vaisnava We don't know. Can't tell. So We have to be a little bit careful about, it. but we still have to treat other people with respect, even if we even if we kind of suspect that they might be charlatans, you know, and sometimes that doesn 't mean that you uh, treating someone with respect doesn 't mean that you give in to their request for money or for some some something else, uh, uh, but rather. Uh, We have to treat them with respect, because as we were reading in the 11th canto, not too long ago here in the temple room, we were studying, we had already gotten to the 11th canto, and one of the statements was that we should not criticize anyone or anything. And that, that seemed like a hard thing to understand. Why should we not criticize someone who is obviously doing something that might not be beneficial to themselves or the people around them? How can we not criticize them? But I think that we we understood from the purports and from the classes that we were given at that time that everybody, everybody, whether human body, plant body, animal body, every body, every living entity who is in some kind of material body is under the tight restrictions of the material energy of the Lord. And uh, you remember that statement of Christian Bhagavad Gita, everyone follows my path in all respects, O Arjuna. So we don't know, we don't really know what is causing a person to act as he is. So these persons who are charlatans, even even though they're doing abominable deeds, like presenting themselves as saintly persons and then going back to their place at night and uh, smoking tobacco or whatever they happen to have, ganja, uh, what we still still, we have to treat them with some respect because they are tightly bound under the laws of Krishna's material energy. Yes, they may know the name Krishna. Yes, they may have read the literatures, the Mahabharata, the Ramayan. But still, they're not acting uh, according to the instructions that were given in those literatures. And they're not following the examples of those great personalities who were presented in those literatures. So, <coughs> uh, we're talking about qualities of a saintly person. Always offering something of value to others. So instead of asking for something, asking for a gift of some kind, a saintly person will instead offer something of value. And usually, that thing of value happens to be knowledge. Now, saying the person may also offer some prasadam, or food that has been sanctified and offered to the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He may offer that, or he may, he, he may offer some friendship, and you can accept that. But it always has to be something of value to the sanctified person. Now, this is important to us in Iskan, because there are persons who are floating around Iskan in various places, Uh, who are posing themselves as sannyasis or as spiritual masters. And most of the time, those persons are qualified to be in the position they're representing. Sometimes they're not. And we need to be able to recognize that. Uh, Because we don't treat everybody equally. We do as spirit souls, yes, But depending on the position they've taken and how much under the influence they are by Krishna's material energy, we might have to treat them a little differently than than someone else who is really an advanced soul, and we can recognize that. A saintly person becomes friends only for others' purification. We've read that before and we've heard it said before. That should be the only person uh, that you accept as the only saintly person you accept as one of your friends, one of your associates, if he's becoming your friend only for your purification. And now, in some cases, you're going to have persons who are maybe a little less advanced than those persons that we're talking about being saintly persons. Now, of course, even a neophyte devotee of Krishna is is far far and away better than one who is not yet recognize the Supreme Lord, and are taken to His service. And so we have to treat those persons as, as younger, younger people. Even if they happen to be older than we are still, we have to treat them as younger people. Maybe they're approaching us for some reason, for our association. And so if we give them our association, it should be for the purpose of their purification. In other words, we should not try to get something from someone else just because of their naivety. Just because they're they're simple in their service, you remember how you were when you first came into contact with the devotees, Nandini? Can you remember? Remember how naive we were at that time? Anybody who came from India was all, was a sadhu, <laughs> and so we, you know, so but we had to find out. We had to find out these things that uh, uh, all that glitters is not necessarily gold. And so we had to make some. We had to use our discretion. So uh, before we let someone come into our very close, intimate, personal association, you know, we have to find out something for that person. What do you want? And this is this is a real problem for a person that has uh, some opulence in this material world, whether it be a beautiful body, or whether it be some uh, fame, some recognition by the rest of society some popularity in society, whether, you know, this person's a great athlete or whether this person's a big rock star or classical violinist or something. Anytime those persons are approached by somebody else, you can imagine that probably the first thought that goes through their mind is, what do you want? What do you want from me? So uh, and, and so we should, therefore, we should also be cautious then about accepting persons as our friends. And saintly persons have to be very cautious about who wants their very close friendship. So uh, and then what we do once we have recognized the quality, once we have determined the person to be of saintly qualities, then we should uh, inquire from him. Like, like like Krishna states in Bhagavad Gita Tad Vidipani Patina the pati Yeah. So we once we find ourselves as saintly persons, then we should inquire from him submissively. We should render some service to him. Uh those persons can can enlighten us because they have seen the truth. So Krishna says. And so we inquire then from saintly persons, but we don't waste his time or her time on mundane matters. And I include women because now women have been given have been given uh, official authority to accept disciples in this gun. Have you heard that? And there's some women who are who, who are who are very much qualified to direct others in their spiritual lives just as much as we have men who are qualified to direct others in their spiritual lives. So whether they were given the official title before of of initiating guru, Diksha Guru, or whether they were simply helping other people along that path, still they, we have many, many uh, very wonderful personalities like that who are qualified and who are already preaching all over the world going to various places just, just as much as a man. So Prabhupada told us there's no restriction because of gender for the amount of service a person can do. There's no limitation on you just because you happen to be in a female body or just because you happen to be in a male body and perhaps uh, you're from a, a different part of the world. He said that uh, no one should consider a, a saintly person on the basis of his place of origin. So we don't we don't waste our time then or waste that person's time on mundane matters. Uh, in other words, some back in the early '80s, uh, when Tamal Krishna Goswami first came into Dallas and Houston, and he had he uh, was initiating uh, disciples himself. Uh, he, I remember him saying one day in class he was spending a lot of time here in in the in the early days, uh, it, it, and so. There there were a lot of problems here. I mean, we had we had really, really bad housing to live in, and there's so many so many people who were coming in at that time, coming from middle class backgrounds or something. And so a lot of people were very dissatisfied. And so they'd go to Tamal Krishna Goswami and ask him about it. instead of going to the temple president or going to some friend of theirs, what should I do? They would go to to the spiritual master. And ask him, well, you know, I, I don't like this. There are roaches in the house, and there are rats in the house, and the house is falling apart. And I, I don't have anybody to keep my child, whom I trust when I go out to sell paintings or books. And, you know, so many problems. He said, I feel like everybody's just dumping their trash cans over my head. So we have to be careful when we approach a saintly person, especially a person who becomes our Diksha Guru. Or a guru, for that matter, and don't ask them about mundane things. You know, like I really, I, you know, I really feel like I need a wife. <laughs> As some young men say, of course they need to talk with somebody about that because it's an important uh, decision they're they're having to make in their lives. Uh, should I should I get married? Or should I remain a brahmacharya? Usually, it's not a decision. They just want somebody to give them a good reason that they can go ahead and take a wife, right? And then after a few years, then they understand why nobody was giving them a reason that they should take a wife. <laughs> right. So, we, should, in other words, what, whatever we ask from a saintly person should be, uh, should be uh, beneficial to us spiritually. And we should also think about him as, 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 you know, when he gives So we should give him an opportunity to speak on spiritual topics. Uh, just as when, whenever a person gives a, a lecture, a Bhagavatam lecture, a Bhagavad Gita lecture in the temple room, uh, when it comes time for questions, I think most of us know by now that the purpose of those questions is not to give an extra 15-minute class on the, on the heels of whatever the person who was speaking is given, but rather is to give the opportunity to the speaker to... Uh, to uh, uh, speak a little bit further or a little bit more in depth on a particular subject. Now, of course, if you have sitting in your class uh, and you're ha- you happen to be the one giving, doing the speaking, you happen to have a spiritual master who walks in or, or let's just say an advanced not person, then you might want to give that person an opportunity and you're hoping that it, it, he or she will continue speaking for some time on the topic that you've been talking about in the class so uh don't don't dwell on mundane topics whenever you are inquiring from a saintly person and give that person an opportunity to speak on spiritual topics and we of course we should always refrain from topics that glorify ourselves shouldn't we when we're in the presence of a person of who is of a of greater spiritual stature than we are, especially then uh we should not Speak about things that glorify our own position, but rather we should use that opportunity to glorify what that person has accomplished or is accomplishing. Then uh, here's here's another uh, another condition too on uh, having having the association the persons. We should never. Use our association with a saintly person, whether it's our spiritual master, or whether it's just another advanced spiritualist in our community, to increase our own status in society. Now, I've had I've had devotees tell me in the past that uh, my guru, Maharaj, or someone told me that I should I should always uh, deal with the most advanced people when I go to visit a temple. I should I should just you know, try to hang out with those persons who are more advanced, which means the temple president and, you know, the elderly, elder members of that of that particular society. <clears throat> but one has to be careful about that because even though that is a good thing, to seek out advanced association, still it can be used to make me look better if I'm the one that's looking for association with someone more advanced than myself. Oh, i i I spoke. I spoke to Gary I spoke to Radhanath Maharaj today by phone. Rituparna Maharaj gave me a call today, and I, you know, that's like what what we call name dropping. You ever hear that term? That's when you're when you're in a party or, or something. You're in a group of people and you start mentioning the names of persons that you've had direct association with or direct demons with. So that's that's kind of a way, if you're not careful, that can be a way of glorifying your own self and letting other people know about your advanced position. I'm so advanced, my friend. We should learn to treat other saintly, uh, saintly persons properly. In other words, we should give them an opportunity uh, to speak to others. If there is someone available that and you have some some person who is coming to you maybe asking you for advice or counsel we should try to make it possible for that person or those persons to speak to a more advanced spiritualist than we are we shouldn't just think that i I've, I've got the final word on this i've been around for 5 years now i know this thing inside and out i can give good advice by now and of course if, if we're called on to do that we should do it very conscientiously and and very compassionately to try to help somebody else but if there's a is a if there's a more saintly person available then we should certainly try to get that person in front of the saintly person and uh, so that 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 person can make more advanced we would expect and we can we should concede that someone is more advanced than i am and can give this person better guidance than i can is that true so uh, when, when, a, uh, when a saint the person comes into our presence, we should try to make the the setting as comfortable as possible. If a person comes into our house, offer them a comfortable seat, you know give them at least some water and maybe some, uh, some a snack of some kind uh, and and make that person feel very respected when they come into our uh, into our house. Uh, because that's, that's really the position that, that we should, that helps them to feel. Even if the person is, is having a little difficulty, let's just say a person is a senior member of the society, maybe it's a disciple of Srila uh, Prabhupada, someone who is elderly now. Even if that person is maybe has not been the most exemplary devotee. Still, we should treat that devotee with a great deal of respect, especially when they come into our homes. Uh, Because this this does a couple of things. First of all, it it helps us to practice this thing of showing humility. And secondly, if that person is having some difficulty, it makes that person feel that, oh, I'm being treated so nicely here, maybe I should start acting in such a way that I deserve such nice treatment. And sometimes that happens. Sometimes a person has been around the movement for so long and maybe they've isolated themselves a little bit so they don't they don't really feel very important in the society. And we have people like that now, especially among Srila Prabhupada's uh, disciples. Some of them are out there, you know, they when whenever we had something like the Guru Reform movement that occurred back in the early eighties. Uh, a lot of them left. They became disillusioned by what they were hearing from other people. Instead of staying around and understanding things better and making advancement where they were, they just took off. They became disillusioned. Sometimes that's just uh, because a person's looking for a reason to go back out there and take up some of the old habits he, he or she used to have. Isn't it? So we have to uh, we have to help others uh, know how to respect an exalted person. So we have a, if we have a person coming into our house who is is a respectable personality or a person to whom we feel that we should give respect, then uh, uh, it, it helps not only ourselves to treat them uh, in a respectable way, but it helps uh, younger people like our own children if they they're going to be watching. If we have other people come into our house, our kids are always going to be watching how we treat those people. And so, uh, if they see how we're treating a, a a person who should be receiving more respect, then their tendency is going to be to give that person respect. Uh, I noticed I noticed something that has gone on in the past around our community: people get very comfortable being around each other, and they they no longer add the honorific "Prabhu" when they're talking about that person, even when he, when they're in their own homes. Sometimes they refer to this person, this person by their first name. And guess what the kids call that person when they're around them. So it doesn't sound so good for a child then to not show respect, especially to someone as elder, to him. And even when the child gets up to be 30, 40 years old, uh, no longer a child, but uh, the habits that they develop when they're children at home, uh, that that's going to make some difference in the way they treat other people, the kind of respect they show other people and it's going to make a difference in the way other people see that child so I'm always very much impressed when I go out into the society and uh, you know whether whether I'm going to Walmart to buy something or home Depot to pick up some stuff or going to autozone uh, if someone addresses me as sir. I think, wow, where did you learn that? You must have been in the military. Because usually only persons that have been in the military address other, other men as sir, or other le- women as madam, or a ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And so that's impressive. And it it just, it makes me feel very warm toward that person, that that person has been trained given it to give the proper respect to an older person. And, and, of course, that person might not know who I am. And I might go in just like a bum, you know, because maybe I've been working around the house, and i 'm not as clean or as tidy as I should be. Maybe my tea lock has already faded out a little bit, so i mean how how's that person going to know and yet when when they say uh, uh, "Can I help you, sir?" or thank you sir or, yes sir uh that's that's impressive so when if we understand th- how that feels to us, then we should understand also how that feels toward a, a more uh, advanced personality, a saintly person. And we should we should uh, help others to know then how to respect uh, an exalted personality. Uh, even if it's somebody, even if we have guests in our home already and then somebody comes and knocks at the door and that's an, that's an older devotee, we should, you know, make that person like the star of the show. Now this is this is my feeling. This is the way I feel. This is the way I've been trained to do. So it's a matter of showing respect to a person who is deserving respect, or even if the person is not deserving respect because of what he's done lately. Then uh, still, that because of that that person can come back, you know, just like you, I think Krishna says that a, a a person may fall down, but he he rights himself quickly. He pulls himself up by his bootstraps. So especially if that person is shown respect, then he's going to be thinking, I don't deserve this respect, and this person is showing me respect. Maybe I should start acting like a respectable person. So that's one of those things that we can do, not only to help ourselves and to help the younger people around us, but we can also, this also will help that person who has come in as a guest in our home. We can sometimes, uh, we're talking about how to treat a saintly person properly. Um, Incidentally, for those of you who have been following this, we started out talking about recognizing the qualities of a saintly person. Then we talked about inquiring, how to inquire properly from a saintly person. Now we're talking about how to treat a saintly person properly. And so the last uh, point that I have here is that we should offer gifts to help the saintly person in his personal life of service. So we have to be a little careful with that, don't we? Just like uh, when we give a, a give money to a homeless person out on the street, you know that's that's not so good. Uh, Prabhupada is, and and Taval Krishna our spiritual master, has um, dis- discouraged that to some extent because we don't we don't know what the person if that person takes the you know your one dollar five dollar bill and goes out and buys a hamburger with it, how much good have you done that person? So the best thing, it said, the best gift to offer is grains. But even better than offering grains is to offer prasadam, food that has been offered to the Supreme Lord. So if you really want to, if you really feel like you should help persons who are on the street corner, and certainly they're in a pitiable condition, uh, then the best thing you can do is just to keep a plate of something, or some prasadam with you of, of some kind, and offer it to that person. That person, I mean, Americans are like this. They'll eat anything you put in front of them. Have you noticed? They'll almost anything. They'll stick it in their mouths. You know, if it looks, if it doesn't look disgusting, of course, they'll eat just about anything. They don't question well, what's this got in it. Is is this vegetarian? Does it have onions, mushrooms, garlic? Does it have vinegar in it? it, it Does it have eggs in it? You have to be careful about that because I was at, um, I was in the Philippines back in 1912 at the, at the Prabhupada Holy Name Festival. And there were a lot of devotees who come, who had come from other parts of the world. I had gone at the invitation of Srila Girardaj Maharaj. He had instructed me to go to China. And so I thought, well, this is a kind of a stopover place. Maybe I should go there because he's going to be there, and Giri Giritari Maharaj and several other sannyasis are going to be there. So I thought, well, this would be really nice and never been to the Philippines anyhow while i while I was there, a friend of mine from England that I had known in the past was there, and uh, he was very kind. He gave me uh, uh, some cookies that in in a package that you know that had been purchased and i and I thanked him very much and went back to the room. And I opened up one and put it in my mouth, and I thought, when I put it in my mouth, I thought, let me check the ingredients. I looked on the package. Lard was one of the ingredients. You know what lard is? Animal fat. And this devotee apparently, you know, out of his innocence, did not know that lard was animal fat. Or either that, he's just gotten into the habit, a little bit of a loose habit of buying things and just eating them directly. And that's something we have to be careful about too, isn't it? So we we don't want to be eating things that we don't know what's in them. I mean, it's bad enough to eat food that has not been prepared for and offered to the supreme personality got it. But if you find yourself having to do that, or wanting to do that, and you can't resist, then you you know you dang sure Better look at the uh, the in, the ingredients on there, right? So this was a, this was an uh, this was an example of how I had a, a very nice person offer me a gift. Uh, and in a in a place that, you know, it wasn't, the food, you know, the really nice foodstuffs were, were not so plentiful where I was, where we were at that time for that festival. So it was, I thought, well, this is really nice to have some cookies to eat. <laughs> but I, I just barely, I made, made the decision at the right, well, a little, little bit past the right moment in time. I'd already stuck the cookie in my mouth, but then I... <laughs> took it out immediately when I saw that on there so we had to be careful <laughs> one thing one last thing regarding a saintly persons is uh how do we develop saintly qualities well first of all you know one of the first things we have to do if we want to develop saintly qualities we have to give up the desire for respect and adoration don't we because that's an automatic disqualification for becoming a saintly person if you have the desire for respect and adoration love, adoration, and distinction is that it? And, and so, uh, if we, so if we want to become a saintly person ourselves, then we, that we have to give that up. And then we have to always seek out and then welcome advanced association. Now, I'm a little cautious about doing that when we have a saintly person come to our community, like one of our spiritual masters, initiating spiritual masters, because they got disciples around here, and disciples are going to want a lot of time with their spiritual master, and I don't blame them. I would too. And so uh, I'm a little hesitant then to, you know, to ask for a a meeting with Maharaj, unless I've got really a a question that's really, really important to me that I can't get answered by talking with some of you, you all here. And I would would very gladly talk with some of you around here, especially if I've been knowing you for some time. Uh, If I needed advice on something, I'd come to you. And my spiritual master also once said that in the absence of the spiritual master, the temple president is one spiritual authority. Did you know that? Have you heard that? Now, of course, some people will say, well, how do we know that he's a saintly person? Well, you have to judge by the qualifications that we've been talking about. You have to make sure that he's a saintly person. Uh, generally, if a person has been temple president for quite some time, you can expect that he is, not only does he have good qualities, but he's also developed some very good qualities over a period of time. So we have to, we have to treat, he, he's one of those persons here in our community that we treat with respect, uh, but even if we don't know him, so by the fact that he is, he's representing our spiritual master who is not present in front of us and so uh the, our our pre, our spiritual masters nowadays some of them have so many disciples like Jai pataka Swangiraj and radhanath swaminarayan there's so many they have so many disciples that it is very difficult for us to get even a moment's association with them you said what is it? even a moment's association with, with a, a a vaishnava is worth so much so much so if you can get that, then that's great. But a lot of times, we just kind of have to depend on the representative. like Just like we can't go to Krishna directly. We have to go through his agent. Uh, even though Krishna is, has the ability to give us his direct association, still, he chooses that we have to go through the saintly persons. Again, Tadvidi Panipatthena. We have to seek out that spiritual master and inquire from him submissively. So we're always looking for that advanced association and welcoming it when it comes. But we have to be really careful, uh, especially if a person is on a tight schedule, like we have some spiritual masters come into the community. They'll s- spend the evening maybe having some, a program at somebody's house, and then the next morning, even before Mongolaritik, they're having to leave already. Uh, so that's just a very brief association. and We know that there are going to be a lot of disciples looking for that person's association. So we will have the tendency not to bother them so much. Uh, we should, if we want to be saintly, want to develop saintly qualities. We have to study studied scriptures to become knowledgeable. Uh, that was that's also a statement in the Bible. There was a statement in the Bible something like. Uh, um, Study, th- study to show thyself approved a workman that needeth not uh, be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth. In other words, so you have to, if you're going to present yourself as a, as a saintly person, and you're trying to become a saintly person, you want to present yourself as a saintly person so that others can be encouraged and so that they can get good instruction from you. Not so that it's not a popularity thing. Uh, but if you really want to be able to give a person good instruction, then you have to be knowledgeable. And the best way to become knowledgeable then is by going to the scriptures, going to the literatures. And Srimad Bhagavatam, of course, is our primary scripture, especially if you've gone through the uh, Bhagavad Gita a few times. And lastly, I want to mention that uh, just as we don't, we don't give gifts, to anybody randomly depending on their who they are their qualifications or where what their position is in life um even, we, even say, we don't do that so therefore we should also accept gifts only for service and i found that when you go to visit other countries and you're you're visiting with a group of people that sometimes after you have spoken to the group of people and maybe you've taken Prashan with them Uh, the host, or maybe somebody else comes up and hands you an envelope, and there's usually some money in there. So uh, this can happen at any time. There may be times here in in this temple room where someone may offer you something that's, uh, you know, valuable, or something's very nice. They may offer you money. Uh, But we need to make sure then that if we want to become respectable, saintly persons that that money gets used strictly for the purpose of preaching or for doing something here in the in the temple community. You can always put it in the box up here in the temple room at the front. You can hand it hand it to the temple president. You can hand it to Mother Chandavali, you can hand it Mother Padma. There are many people around hand it to Rasaraj no well I, well maybe, maybe <laughs> 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 he says he takes credit cards. <laughs> like like that person who was uh, looked appeared to be a homeless person approached the car and uh, and asked asked for a uh, donation and the person said I'm sorry I don't have I don't have any cash with me and the person whips out one of those little portable machines that accepts credit cards. <laughs> So so we have we have to be a little bit careful about uh receiving gifts sometimes receiving money is it it it's a greater burden than giving money because we you know this is this first of all when you get money from somebody else when they just give it to you, you haven't worked for it, they just give you some money uh you have to be concerned that there is karma attached to that money did you know? As a matter of fact, even when you work for money and you get your paycheck or it goes directly into the bank, uh, then some of that money n- should be used to uh, to to go to a, either go to a temple or to go to a saintly person uh, because there's karma involved. And if you don't give away some of your wealth, then you have to take all of the karma that comes from that, and it might not be so pretty. Karma, Karma is sometimes not very pretty, and so we don't want it. So, better to use any, anything that has been given to us as a, as a, as a means of carrying on devotional service. Not only then, does the person, do you get credit for it when you do that? But the person who gave you the money gets a lot more credit for it than if you just take it and uh, go down and buy yourself a new outfit, or or what, depending on how much money it is, you know, go buy yourself a new car or something. No. Unless you're going to be using that in the service of the Supreme Lord. So we've been talking about how to how to treat a saintly person, and, and then the very last topic was uh, how do we develop saintly qualities. And with that, we'll say Hare Krishna. Uh, does anyone like, have a comment, something that's come to mind that, since we've been talking? And you're going to have to use a microphone, otherwise I won't be able to hear you. Comments, uh, Mother Nandine?
2: Thank you so much for Prabhu. Really nice, uh, really nice that you chose this to develop this topic from this verse. Thank you very much. And um, what I just wanted to say was, I attended a program at Shama, uh, Shama Sundar's home when um, that Pralana Nanda Maharaj spoke, and one devotee asked a question of him. Um, you know. You know, what should I, how should I ask the spiritual master, uh, you know, to guide me from having, you know.
0: How should he act the spiritual master to to dine with him? And
2: and his response was to guide him, to guide him, to instruct him, to give him instructions on on things happening in his life. And Prahlada Swami's response was that, you know, you just, it's not just the spiritual master that you have to seek out advanced devotees. You have to look and see uh, those devotees that are more advanced than you because they can help you and instruct you. And I thought that was a really nice... Uh, That's
0: also an act of humility, isn't it? Yes. To say that someone besides my spiritual master can give me instruction.
2: Yes, but he was really pushing that point forward. That, that And that takes an act of humility, to actually realize that there are other devotees in the community that are far more advanced than I and that I could, you know, inquire from them and I could get clarification on, a, on something I'd read or whatever it may be. So, Hare Krishna.
0: Well, to, to a saintly person, Nandini, that is that's, uh, very much welcome to have persons inquire how to improve my spiritual life. Now, if a person is not so advanced uh, then the person uh, who has been come to, who has been approached, may say, Well, you know, first of all, you can start out by taking initiation from me. (laughs) And the next thing is going to be, how much money do you have? (laughs) No, that's that's the kind of thing you want to avoid. And we certainly don't want to give the impression that we're so advanced that we can give somebody spiritual initiation, especially if our spiritual master is still walking the planet. Of course, we know that, don't we? That if if you if somebody comes to you looking for spiritual guidance or wanting to take spiritual initiation, you're going to always uh, suggest to them you can you can su- suggest your own spiritual master, or if there happens to be a saintly person who is giving initiation in the community at that time. You can help to arrange for that person to have a meeting with you know, with that person with a saintly person. Question over here. Comment,
3: Rasha Raj. Thank you, Prabhu. Um, so several questions, right? I mean, there's a lot that you said. So there are several things. There, so I'm not just going to ask one at a time. I'll ask one, and hopefully others will ask others. Make Um, them easy. (laughs) So what I've seen with myself is that I am more inclined to accept the association of that saintly person who can say what I want him to say or her to say. That's Uh, a good good idea. (laughs) I like that. <laughs> and no, of course and not. the other way around is that whenever the person says something that is not palatable, um, tend to uh, neglect. Um, in fact, you know, even in Krishna, in in general, um, uh, to accept guidance or association or even. Um, um, you know, advice from uh, other devotees um, is very hard, especially when that person is not able to um, is 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 not in line with what I'm thinking. And so, uh, how how does how does one develop uh, respect? and uh and it may it may so happen that it might just be i mean, I have had several devotees who have said, you know, and even the scriptures say, you know you have to give fifty percent of what you earn you made that point is so now not able to i just it's just not possible at this point of time in my conditioned state. I know it's a disease, but if that is the remedy. I, am I disrespecting that person by actually not accepting what he or she has said? And how do I avoid the habit of or the the tendency of of being critical to those whose instructions I may not agree with? Uh, how that,
0: that's mean? an important point. Yeah, that's good. Uh, first of all, you you, sh- you should never go and ask a person for advice if you're not willing to follow that person's advice that they give you. So if you don't know what the person is going to say or you think you might not be able to follow the instruction or the suggestion that it gives then you you should uh, you should know the person better before you go to them you should have some confidence that whatever you say my dear friend my 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 shiksha guru whatever you say i'm going to be i'll I'll follow it i'll try my best to follow it and if you can't say that, then you're going to the wrong person, or maybe you're the wrong person going to the right person. Maybe you should go to somebody else if you can find somebody that you know that you feel confident is going to give you instructions that you will be able to follow. In other words, you don't. You're a householder. You don't want. To, you don't want someone who's going to suggest to you that, well, I really think you should take Bonapresta now. How old are you? Are you fifty yet? You're almost. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not asking you to tell me. I'm just saying that, that um, if that person may say, "Well, you're 36 already, and uh, you already had a child, and and your wife and your child seem to be doing well enough," you should just uh, you should just break away and preach. And you know you're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, so Ramasinda Prabhu is on the job. Hey, you know what? My phone's Uh oh. Case of Bhagavad Gita. I had that turn on. on oh. you know, My phone has a mind of its own. Never go to your phone looking for advice. No, but for uh for the uh yeah, you should you you really should e- examine your relationship with a person before you go asking them for advice you should examine their qualifications and you should feel very comfortable because if you go to the person asking for advice and and then you, when you leave the person say i'm not going to do that that's stupid why do you say that that's not the person for you to be going to because that's an offense you treated the person as though he's qualified to give you advice and then now you're not willing to take it so no just like when you're a speaker you have to know your audience you have to have to have some idea of what your audience is like otherwise you know you might get tossed off the stage or something So also you should you should know the person that you're going to looking for advice Yeah go ahead
3: uh, so, Sorry to interrupt you but but that's essentially the issue right and which means I'm not not going to ask anyone <laughs> i'm going to say i'm right i i don't need advice and that that's where I, I i get into difficulty i get into trouble
0: so well sometimes i mean sometimes your spiritual master expects you to make decisions like your household what's going on in your household if you're doing something really stupid then you should change it of course uh, you know and but the spiritual master if he sees that you're 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 having difficulties and those difficulties are causing problems to your family members, then he, he might be willing to give you advice. But I'd say more likely, in the case of Tamal Krishna Gosami, he would probably have told Materna, say, go see Rupanuga and tell him this is what he needs to do, you know, instead of telling me directly. A question back here? Wait, let's get a microphone back there, please.
3: My question is how we can decide who is very more advanced or a saintly person? Is it with the experience or with the age or how? How we can approach a saintly person? Uh, how we can decide he is an advanced devotee or a saintly person?
0: How can we tell if a person is advanced, and advanced devotee? All right, that was one of the topics that we covered right at the beginning of this class, and that was the qualifications of a saintly person. Uh, that there are certain things that you look for. Uh, I, if, if it's a person that you're thinking about going to for advice, or a person that you're thinking of going to for initiation, or, you know, it usually is one of those two reasons that we go to a saintly person. We're looking for good advice or we're looking to take initiation, or maybe we're looking to t- take initiation from somebody who can give us good advice. Uh, but in, in any case, uh, if, I don't, if I didn't know a person who had come to our community, for example, if I didn't know and I wanted to go to the, if I wanted to approach that person, then um, I think I would probably ask someone else first. I'd try to get to know something about the person that I was going to ask. Try to get to know something about them. I would, uh, maybe if that person gave a class, I would sit and listen to the class and see if the instruction that I received in the class was in keeping with what I have learned in the past. And if it's not, then again go to a third person who can... With whom you can talk about that. Uh, I would never just try to decide on my own that this person is saintly or not. I would I would definitely go to another person who might know that person better before I would approach that person. Otherwise, you know, you might be treating a person uh, very respectfully. You might think be thinking about giving them a, giving them a nice uh, contribution. You know, maybe you got a thousand dollars lying around and you're thinking about just giving that thousand dollars to them. And and then uh, you do After you do that, then you you don't want to hear that that person is 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 actually printing a a, a separate set of Srimad Bhagavatams separate from those of Prabhupada. That's an example. Or maybe that person is taking part in starting a temple uh, somewhere, uh, and 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 this and it's not it's not met any kind of approval. So those are the kinds of things that you can run into when you don't know the person that you're going to for advice. And especially if that person asks you for money right away, then you you should certainly speak to somebody else. I, I, I had this happen to me back in 1970, uh, 74, 75. I, I had just started uh, corresponding with our New Brindavan community up in West Virginia. And this young man that I was, that had been assigned, I suppose, to take care of me, he was very nice and very kind, And, and after, but some after some time, he said that, uh, I, I'm, I need to buy a new camera. And I knew that he was the publishing, he was the publisher of the uh, Bridge of Aussie Spirit, which was the publication that was coming out of New Brindavan at that time. And so um, I didn't know whether I should send the money. I was sending money on a regular basis as part of a life membership. I was down in Tennessee working at that time as an engineer. And And so I would send some money up there each month, a donation. And that person was a little surprised to see the amount of money that I was sending. It wasn't that much, but, you know, it was surprising to him that a person would be sending that much. And so, uh, after a few months of corresponding with me, then he asked for money to buy a camera. And so I asked another person then whom I had gotten to know that lived close to me and who was, who had had more experience in devotional life, devotional communities than I had. I asked him, should I, should I give that person some money for buying a camera? He says, really, you should, you should go to the temple president there first and ask the temple president about that. So this was, a, this was an example of somebody that I had developed some trust in, but I didn't really know that person very well. And for all I knew, that person was needing uh, $250 or whatever it was to, uh, instead of buying a camera, he, he needed a bus fare so he could get the heck out of New Brindam and go back to where he came from, where he could pick up his old habits. again. I mean, this, can't, this could happen. I would like to think that it would not happen, but it could happen. So anytime anytime we want uh, advice from a saintly person, we, we need to check out their qualifications. And you've heard that if you've tried to find a spiritual master, then you've probably been told that you need to find out something about this person before you take initiation. You know, find out, is this somebody I can dedicate my life to serving? Is this somebody that tells me to do something and I do it without question? we need, we need to do that with with other persons as well
3: is that okay thank you for the class yes sir and it's following prasraj people question not exactly but so is it okay or i would say this is my tendency so when i have a doubt or question i usually approach senior devotees and i approach multiple senior devotees because in my mind they all are senior and advanced devotees but what happens sometimes, you may get different opinions. So how do you, and if you hear only one opinion, are you disrespecting other devotee in that sense? Like you said, if you were approaching, then take the opinion of that person. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, don't, I
0: don't fully understand the question. true. I would like for you to paraphrase what he said and see if he, see if he can put it in a way that I can understand better. So Prabhuji is asking that
3: if I have a doubt and I want to, I generally approach multiple devotees and I get different opinions or different suggestions. So if I just approach one, am I dis- disrespecting the others? So how to handle this situation? Okay.
0: now I think that, that also is a very timely question, because uh, I have been approached in the last several months by a young man who came into our community, and uh, I, he would ask me a question, I'd give him an answer, and he said, well, you know, this, this devotee over here told me something else, and he would tell me what that person said, and then he, and then, and besides that, there's this other person that's giving me another answer. Which Which one am I supposed to go go to? Which which one am I supposed to follow? And so my question was, you've asked two people already. Why are you asking me? You want, a, you want me to give you a particular answer? I guess what I should have said was what answer do you want to hear? And I'll give you that. So uh, I think it is wise you know, especially if it's something that is quite important uh, like uh, um, you know, something to do with your job or do with your visa or something, you know, something that's very important like that. It, you might have to ask more than one person until you get to a person who has some particular experience in that area that you're asking about. Um, but, you know, just just to uh, uh, ask this person and then this person and this person, and by the time you get done, maybe you've asked several persons, and and then you say... Well, you know, I, he, this, this fellow said that, uh, you know, I, I talked to my spiritual master about this, and he said this. What, what are you talking to me for? you got a spiritual master? Do what he says. And if you can't do what he says, it's not his fault. Whose fault is it? Your fault, right? But now, this may be, I'm taking this a little bit farther than, you, than your question actually was. Uh, I, w- I would still go by that answer, though, that uh, if it's something that is of significant importance, uh, and you don't, if you're not initiated yet, if you don't, if you don't have a uh, Diksha Guru, you've got, you got quite a few Shiksha Gurus that you can go to. And it's good to, it's good to ask and get different opinions, because there will be different opinions just just like uh, sometimes in the, in the in the early days you know people would uh, go to Prabhupada's godbrothers and uh, Prabhupada didn't didn't like that so much because even though he might have respected his godbrothers and they had the same spiritual master Srila bhakti siddhanta still their approach to that particular topic might have been entirely different from what Prabhupada would do. And so, if Prabhupada's on the planet, then of course you just you go to Prabhupada. And if he's not on the planet, then you go to your initiating guru. And if you don't have an initiating guru, then what I think what you suggested is 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 the right thing to do, and that is just ask several different people. And if you're looking for a final definite answer, then you need to pick one of those people that you feel the most confident in. This person really is going to give me a good advice, even if it's different from what I was thinking myself. I'm I'm going to follow that person. Yeah, you know, just take that person's advice and go with it. And then from then on, maybe you won't have to approach so many different people, especially if you get good results from following that person's advice. Okay.
3: kind of moving on a little bit um, you mentioned the importance of you know being saintly and the Srimad Bhagavatam talks about it that the uh, the person who is hearing has a certain qualification as well as the person who is speaking so um, to respect requires us to uh, have certain qualities. Um
0: to to earn respect or to get respect.
3: To actually give respect. To give respect <clears throat> to give respect also. Okay. Um
0: requires may, yeah. may, may, uh
3: require and th- I mean the the uh the Bhagavatam talks about the qualities of Parikshit Maharaj as to why he was qualified. And he it talks about the qualities of Shana Krishi as well as the qualities of you know Sutta Goswami, before him Ramaharshan and Suta as to why he was not qualified to lead an assembly of sages um, and why his son, was, yeah and then his son was and so and so on and so forth. but this qualification of the person who's you know from my perspective from our perspective what how should I qualify myself so that I can approach the uh, a saintly person? not for becoming saintly as much as to actually um, respect uh, this person what what is what would you say are are the qualities I should develop focus on and uh, go from there yeah well
0: the, the different qualities can be many so I won't really talk about that but one way to determine how to approach a, a, a person that you're going to be asking advice, a shiksha or a Diksha Guru, is, is, to, uh, is to talk with other people who have also approached that person and, and see what their recommendation is. Um, now, that, that kind of takes some of the, res- the burden of responsibility off of you when you do that. But then that's also a good exercise in humility, because you you said, I don't really trust myself to make the best decision here. I, I can make some decision, and, I, and then I can get the reactions from it, and then I'll probably know whether it was a good decision or not. But if I want to really show humility myself, before I go to my spiritual master, for example, I think I'll go to some other persons and and see if I can ask them in a way that I would act, actually ask my spiritual master. Practice. It takes practice. You know, we don't come into this movement generally with, with uh, such good qualities that we can, can consider ourselves to be saintly persons. Even if we've been in the movement for 40, 50 years, we, we still might not consider that. I don't really have the qualities I consider to be saintly qualities. But you just, you try to emulate the behavior of other people who are more advanced on the path than you are. And by that emulation, eventually, by practicing enough, hopefully they, we will actually develop some of those qualities that we need. Anything else? Are we ready for honoring the Lord's palatable representation? All right, uh, let's see. seems like uh, there was something that I forgot uh, early on, and that was to offer obeisances to my spiritual master. So anyhow, the obeisances are there to Tamal Krishna Gosami Maharaj. I, I'm always indebted to him for whatever kind of inspiration that comes for giving, uh, giving a, a discourse on Srimad Bhagavatam. So that is there. So now uh, we should offer our respectful obeisances to all the Vaishnava devotees of the Lord who are just like desire trees, who fulfill the desires of everyone, and who are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. Pachakalpa-tarubhya-cha-kripassanabhya-va-cha-patitanam-pavanamyo-vaishnabe-bonam-bho-nama-anantakoti-vaishnarenda-ki-jai-chilaprabhapada-ki-jai-chisi-radhakalatunji-dham-ki-jai-goda-premananda-hadibho.